honestly, I felt like I was a bitch. <laughs> um, I was very cut off to people. I wasn't very trusting to people. I vulnerability, everything associated with PTSD, I was. But in the PTSD brain, you're, you don't allow yourself to believe that there's a weakness with you, that there's anything that could possibly harm you. Mm -hmm. So even though I was diagnosed three times, I refused to believe it. <laughs> Thanks for joining me on the Healing Compass podcast, where we bridge scientific with holistic so that you can be empowered to grow, heal, and overcome in your own way. You are provided various insights and resources on a range of topics, from mental health to chronic pain, because well-being is not a one-size-fits-all, and you hold the compass to your own path. I'm your host, Lori Crow, a.k.a. Sway. What message is in store for today? Let's find out. My guest today has been a professional drug-free bodybuilder, but why she is here today is she also has a master's in social work. She refers to herself as a social worker down to her DNA. It's really not something she does. It's who she is. She is a licensed clinical social worker. Her whole career has been centered around child abuse, trauma, PTSD, and within the last several years, particularly utilizing MDMA, which we are focusing on today. And in her spare time, she helps run a nonprofit animal rescue. Welcome, Mary Bell of Lotus Healing in San Diego. Thank you for having me, Lori. I appreciate being here. Oh, thank you. I am just really excited to have this conversation with you today. Me too. <laughs> if I could shout it from the mountaintops, I would. Oh my gosh. Oh, this is going to be a fun one. Excellent. Okay. So we're here to talk about MDMA. So we're going to be explaining all of what it is and what you offer. But before you share like your backstory about MDMA, can you tell us about your professional background and what you do now? Sure. I am, as you said, I'm a, I'm a social worker. I've been a social worker since uh, the 1990s. I'm aging myself. <laughs> I've always gravitated towards the harder populations. I was a child abuse investigator for many, many years. Mm. Um, after transferring out of that, it was a natural progression for me to transfer into therapy with, at that time, teenagers that were going through abusive homes or you know, problems on the street, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so your, your adolescents that were at risk. I mm. uh, worked with um, them doing a lot of behavioral therapy. And then once moving out to California, um, my real calling is, is helping people heal. And, and I don't know how to say it without it kind of almost sounding perverse, but my interest is in child abuse. It's in trauma. It's what I find I can help the most. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it was a natural projection for me just to go from helping abused children that when I was as an investigator to now helping the adults that were those abused children that can no longer function in life without being hijacked from their PTSD. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a lot to take on. And, and it takes a special person, I think, to be equipped with um, working with these type of people. And, and you're going to share a little bit about why you're equipped um, in you. just a minute. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so you currently offer MDMA treatment in your therapy practice. But Correct. before we get into how it's you, how you use it, let's talk about like, what is it? What is MDMA and what is it used for? Okay. Well, MDMA was uh, originally brought to life, if you will, back in, I believe it was 1912, 1913. Wow. Um, it really wasn't, nothing was really done with it until about the late fifties into the early sixties when it was started to be used as a tool in psychiatry and therapy. Hmm. In the 70s, we you, that's when it really started making a name and you were hearing it be called the love drug mm -hmm. um, because it was used a lot with couples, couples mm -hmm. that were on the verge of divorce. Mm -hmm. um, okay. So that's kind of, that's the very basic level of where it's come from, where, it, what it was meant to be, where it's 
what it was used for before then um, being illegalized. Right. Or, you know, use of, um, you know, club kids is back then is what they called it. Yeah. So what, what is MDMA exactly? (laughs) That's a good one. It's a really long name that it's a tongue twister and I can't even attempt to pronounce it without sending (laughs) like, I don't know how to speak English. This is why we call it MDMA for sure. Correct. And you can Google it. I promise you it'll pop right up and you can have at it with trying to pronounce it. Uh, you know, my, my boyfriend's a physician and he could pronounce it easily. And I'm like, okay, yay you, I can't. Um, but it's, it's basically um, different chemicals. It, it's not plant-based. It is synthesized. It's different chemicals that have come together um, that work within the brain to you know, in layman terms, I can tell you scientific terms, but in layman terms, it basically shuts down your default mode network, allowing for uh, a, a person with PTSD to go back to those memories of those traumas, but the fear and the anxiety and the protection isn't there. Sorry. I'm outside. No, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. So, um, um Okay. So basically it's a synthesized chemical compound, correct? Correct. Okay. Okay. All right. So for the backstory, let's talk about that. You've faced trauma yourself and you didn't realize that it was truly PTSD and for the longest time. So your journey basically led you to this point of now providing MDMA treatments for your clients. So can you explain this journey that you've had? Well, if you had about five years, I could <laughs> <laughs> to, to condense it in this, this smallest amount of time um, with the biggest impact. I am a child of abuse um, from as early as three um, going into my teenage years. Um, that abuse, you know, I, I often say even in the negative, there's something positive. And during thinking about that abuse, I don't feel that I'd be a social worker today. I don't feel I would have been a child abuse investigator, nor do I feel that I would be in the position I am today, helping other um, individuals heal from their abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went into um, social work, became a child abuse investigator, but I always struggled. Um, I always felt, honestly, I felt like I was a bitch. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, I was very cut off to people. I wasn't very trusting to people. I vulnerability, everything associated with PTSD, I was. But in the PTSD brain, you don't allow yourself to believe that there's a weakness with you, that there's anything that could possibly harm you. So even though I was diagnosed three times, I refuse to believe it. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And you had uh, a lot of a lot of the the trauma, um, and I guess that the triggers that you would experience were typically um, in the presence of uh, males. Correct. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, don't get me wrong. I, I love men. Um, actually, I, you know, I love all humans, but there there was something about a man smiling at me or a man hitting on me. I couldn't just accept it for what it was. I couldn't just say, oh, he's smiling to say, hey, have a great day. My mind would go 20,000 yards to the, to the left and, oh no, I know what you want from me, you know? And I was sexualized, I was, you know, um, devalued. And then the rest of the day I'm pissed off for a guy smiling at me. Right. But I, I couldn't stop the trigger. I couldn't stop the emotional effect. Mm-hmm. I couldn't stop the thoughts. And logically I could be like, he just smiled at me. Like, what the hell is your problem? And so but, you felt like anger? Like when Yeah. For for me, I would I would feel very angry. Mm-hmm. I would be very defensive. Um, and and it would it would just fester through the whole day. So if it started that morning, you know. I was at the gas station and somebody hit on me and it would just, it would ruin my whole day. My whole day would be in this, this place of just feeling 
angry and devalued and sexualized and, but under all of that was hurt. Under all of that was fear. Under all of that was pain, but I couldn't see it. All I could see was the anger. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, as I would calm down, my logical brain would come forward and I'm like, why, why am I so mad about this? Why, what, what's the big deal? I couldn't stop it. I couldn't, I was imprisoned. I couldn't change my behaviors. Wow. Yeah. And, and it just carried with me into, you know, my early forties where I, at, at that point I was just, I was exhausted. I was just exhausted of living with PTSD, which I refused to believe I had. Um, I, I just thought it was who I was, yeah. um, but I was just exhausted. And um, my, my two best friends basically did an intervention on me. Um, they, they did not know my truths. I, I had to tell them about my past. I had kept that from them thinking, oh, they don't need to know my stuff and why put my stuff on them? Let me protect them. And um, they basically, once I told them my truth, they're like, okay, now we understand it. We, we understand why you are the way you are. And I kind of had to realize like, okay, this, this is bad. It's, it's gotten bad. It's gotten to the point where I can't control it anymore and I need help. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, for, for those who have experienced trauma and PTSD and I myself have been through it and you describe that imprisonment. And when I hear imprisonment, I also hear disconnect. Like Mm -hmm. there's some sort of a, like when you were talking about your, your story, there was a disconnect between what had happened to you and what you were experiencing in that moment. And Mm -hmm. we know like typically when it comes to PTSD, um, a trigger can put us back into that moment, but you weren't connecting it and you were denying it (laughs) that nothing was really wrong. Right. Yeah. 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 Because for me, I felt if I acknowledged something was wrong with me, that would make me weak and making me weak made me vulnerable to more abuse, to more heartache, to more pain. Yes. So I could not accept anything in me that could possibly make me weak. Yeah. And, and that's, um, I think that's definitely a goal that we need to be focusing on is breaking that stigma of looking weak. It actually does make you stronger. And like you were saying, you finally told this story to your friends and having them finally understand Mm -hmm. really, um, kind of broke the cycle for you and for Mm -hmm. them. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, either you or them or all of the above felt like, okay, we can do something about this now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. They, they definitely cracked the dam. I mean, <laughs> I, I can see it as clear as today as I did, you know, years ago, they're, they're both looking at me crying. Can't understand why I am so defensive, why I'm so closed down, why I'm all these things. And I, at that moment, I had to say, these two women love me. Like they, <laughs> fuck, I'm getting teary eyed. Um, they love me to my core. And if they're telling me this and it's gotten bad, it's gotten out of my control and I need to fix it. Um, And then months later, after uh, having Thanksgiving with my parents, my boyfriend um, saw my rage, you know, creep its face up again. And he's just like, babe, you need to get help. And he, and he was the one that said, have you looked at MDMA for PTSD? And I'm like, what is MDMA? <laughs> and he's just like, well, he's like, he's like street, call it Molly or ecstasy. And I'm like, you know, I don't do drugs. I'm like, why would I, why would I do drugs? I'm like, Am I crazy. And so for me, it's just, it's so hard because I was a therapist. I was treating people with trauma and I hadn't even heard of MDMA. I had done my CEUs. I've done my classes. I had done grad school and my schooling and my mentorships and all that. Never once did I hear of MDMA and PTSD, never once. And I was in that circle. Like, that's just mind blowing to me that it was hidden from us, you know, for whatever reasons. I mean, it MDMA clinically, scientifically has proven to cure. Yes, I know that's a big word to cure PTSD. And in the therapeutic circle, I hadn't even heard of it. Again, that moment came up where I'm looking at this man who loves me um, and just wants the best for me. And I had to say, 
okay, maybe there's some validity here. I mean, he is a doctor. He is a smart guy and he does love me. So let me see, is there something that's, that's going to help me? Because at that point in my life, I literally felt like I was in a hundred foot cement wall. It was a hundred foot deep and people are asking me, break through it with the side of your hand. And it, it was impossible. I couldn't, I couldn't. I was, I, I was hopeless. I was just like, submitting to this is going to be my life. Mm. I think it was good that you finally chose to listen to the people who care about you. And it is, it's, it, it is those people that care about you the most that will see it and call it out and let you know, those are the people that you know, that you can rely on and trust and confide in. Absolutely. I'm so blessed for those three individuals. I I, I'm, words don't don't express the love that I have for them. Do you feel, in a sense, that they kind of um, catalyzed, like in, in kind of a saving your life, in a sense? They do, and I've told them that um, every time something. Um, just for for example, I was at the Seattle airport a few weeks ago, and and I looked over, and there was a, a flight attendant, and he looked just like the the abuser mm. and I'm looking at him and I tell my boyfriend I'm like oh yeah he looks like the rapist and then my boyfriend's like looks and he's like like that and I'm like yeah and he's like babe and I'm like what he's like nothing there's nothing and and there was no there was no trigger there was no nothing it was like a matter of a fact and I was just like this is a fucking miracle I mean like something that in depth like looked just like him and Nothing. you just casually said, yeah, that looks like him. Yeah. I'm just like, yeah, the city over there. It was kind of like, hey, you see that orange tree over there? It was like, there was no emotional attachment. And so, like yeah. So zero. you tried MDMA. So explain that you, you, you um, went through the, the protocol of, of doing the MDMA and then um, how you come to find out that you knew that it worked, that it was effective. So after that conversation, that Thanksgiving night, I started Googling MDMA, PTSD, and I ran across MAPS, um, which is the leader in um, the fight to get MDMA legalized to help people. They have 30, 40, 50 years of research. I mean, they're just, they're, they're top notch. And I saw that they were doing trials and needing participants. So I'm like, okay. And I filled out the application. Weeks went by, months went by, didn't hear anybody, anything. I'm like, oh, let me try it again. Did it again. And in the meantime, I'm, I was looking for somebody like me. You know, I was like looking, is, is there a therapist out there that's, that can give me the MDMA, that can walk me through this? And I couldn't find anybody. It's just, you know, you can't Google that kind of thing. I couldn't find anybody. How long ago um, was that? What's that? How long ago was that? That was several years ago now. Okay. okay. Um, and one day I'm just hanging out and I get a phone call, don't recognize, and I pick it up and it's maps. And it's like, God damn, I'm getting teary-eyed again. I'm not a person that cries, but <clears throat> um, it was maps saying, you know, we got your application and we want to see if you if you would be a fit. Um, so I went through all the the health testing, the mental health testing, the physical health testing, I was approved into this study. And then it was double blind. I wasn't going to know until the day that I showed up if I was going to get a placebo, if I was going to get the MDMA. Okay. Um, the universe, my angels, whomever was responsible, I got the MDMA. Wow. And session one, session one, my, my whole life flipped for the good. Wow. It was eight hours. It was eight hours. I had fought PTSD for over 40 years. And within eight hours, something shifted in me. The weight, the the emotional weight that you have going through PTSD just, it started to fall off. I literally was telling my therapist, I'm like, if I get on the scale right now, it's going to say I'm five pounds lighter. 
<laughs> I was like, I'm not shitting you. And they laughed at me. I'm like, I'm not shitting you. There's something has shifted. Something has changed. And um, I was able just to go through all the scenarios. You know, it was three sessions. And each session I would go, I had very strong metaphors. Um, almost like I was watching a picture of the trauma or in a very strong emotion. I could feel people's emotions. Um, I never knew I had an inner child. Oh. Like, what is it? Logically, <laughs> I knew what it was. I've studied it. But what is it? I don't have one. Okay. Well, damn if she didn't pop up in, in session two. <laughs> <laughs> She she popped up in session two and she allowed me to grab her out of that trauma. I literally, I'm grabbing at the floor. I'm, you're in, with MDMA, you're, co you're coherent. You know what's going on. And I'm telling my therapist, I know I'm looking at a rug on the floor. I know I'm reaching my hand out to a rug that is on the floor, but beyond that rug is that room and that little girl. And I think that little girl is me and I'm trying my best to get her out. Wow. And they're asking me, they're like, well, what do you feel? And I said, I just feel an overwhelming sense of helplessness. Mm -hmm. And she won't grab my hand. As a session, that eight hour session went on, she did grab my hand. And I grabbed her and I held her and I held her so tight. And then this bath, like a like drowning in peace came over me. Wow. And and it, at, at that point, I just felt whole. I felt like I'm no longer tethered to these traumas in my life. And it was traumas of my divorce. It was traumas of my childhood. It was, you know, issues I have with my mom. It was issues I had with my boyfriend. It was all kinds of different experiences that were all resolving themselves. Mm -hmm. And I literally felt like a, the door of this concrete prison I lived in was opening. And this emotion and this, I, I used to call it my dark anchor. And this dark anchor that I carried so long was just, it was crumbling. Wow. Um, my last session, I visually, I had the metaphor, my chest started to heat up and I could see the anchor and it pulled out of my chest and it was right in front of me and just exploded. Wow. And and then that that was it. I was I was cured. I mean, it, it yeah. There's probably no other way to put it. You were there's, cured, and usually we don't like toss around that word. <laughs> I know, I know. It's a sensitive yeah. word, but I'm a hundred percent cured. I am not diagnosable for PTSD. Um, they do tests afterwards. I scored like nothing on PTSD, like nothing. I have no nightmares. I have no triggers. I have no darkness. I literally lost 13 pounds. It's never come back. Wow. And yeah. you even had a personal experiment with your boyfriend, mm -hmm. right? Where you had an incident that you tested it out basically, right? Correct. Uh, the Make sure it was I... really the MDMA. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I really needed to, to know is like, is this going to work? Like, you know, what's, what's going on with this? And we had hit a crossroads in our relationship and we were broken up. We still very much loved each other, but he had his own demons. I had my demons. Uh, so we decided to go away for a weekend. Uh, we did it together. Um, we kind of took turns like he did it. I would stay uh, co, you know, therapy mode, if you will. And then he, I did it and he would do the same. And, um, 13 hours of talking and him understanding where some of his um, behavior came from and me realizing I can forgive, I can do this and I can move on. And like, we left that weekend and we have never been stronger. Wow. So we can probably save a lot of um, divorces from happening with just MDMA, huh? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, the, the people have to want it. It's yes. like, I, I yeah. try to tell clients, I'm like, you have to want it. It's not the silver bullet. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a tool that we can utilize, but you got to come in here a hundred percent wanting this more than you can breathe. Yep. And when that happens, I personally have not worked with anybody that has not gotten out of that prison. I have not worked with any couples that have not 
reconnected. I, I literally just had a couple that just got remarried. Wow. Wow. Yeah. It's, that's, you know, it's, 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 all that, <laughs> yeah, it's all about that desire. It's all about, um, that intention. Um, because we all do have the power to heal ourselves and, and yep. tools and resources are out there. Like Absolutely. they're there for you to utilize. Absolutely. They're, they're there. They're, they're there. And it's, it's just sad that I was into my early forties before I even knew this existed. And I worked in the therapy circle. So it's I, never too late. No, never too late. Mm-mm. I have, I have, a, I saw a patient last week. She's 81. Wow. Lifetime of trauma. Wow. Yeah. Goodness. It's never too late. Like I, I was that girl. I was the one that's like, this is going to be my life. This is, this is going to be my life. I, I can't get out of this prison. Mm. I have to accept what it is. And yeah, you know, now it's just like, this is my life, you know? Yeah. I and I mean, laundry and I'm excited about yes, it. <laughs> that's so awesome. And you just want to share it with everybody. And I yeah. love it. Yes. And I mean, your friends and your boyfriend, they were tools and resources. Absolutely. They, even though you say they saved your life, technically you saved your own life because you made the call to look into it and do it. I did. Right. I did. You I made did. the call to talk about it. You, you opened up, you took the steps to get there. So just a reminder to the listeners is that technically other people, unless it is a life or death situation, right. they're not technically saving your life, but they did in a sense where they were honest with you and they were direct with you and say, Hey, you have a problem. What's going on? Yeah. You need help. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we need to listen to that as hard as it is to, to hear that it's not a weakness. It's, it's people just saying, we love you. We're concerned Mm -hmm. about you and we want you to get better. And so definitely if anybody ever says that to you, please, please heed what they're saying Mm -hmm. and know that there is help out there, that there are resources for you. And is, again, it's all about that intention and you having wanting to get better. Yeah, absolutely. You know, with, you know, many of us that have PTSD or post-traumatic stress and, you know, just like when my boyfriend introduced it, you know, the, the thought to me, my automatic reaction was, Oh, what I'm crazy. Oh, mm-hmm. I need drugs. Yep. But you know, I had to, I had to look at who was telling me. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Really pay attention to who's, who's saying it and, yeah. and their intention behind it. Absolutely. Yep. Um, so you talked about taking MDMA multiple times. So can you kind of explain that? How many times did you do MDMA and do you typically need to do it more than once? How does that work? So I, I follow the MAPS protocol and, and MAPS protocol is three sessions of MDMA four weeks apart. Okay. And in the interim, you're doing integration work. So I'm, I'm talking to my patients. We're doing talk therapy okay. around what has happened during their session? Was it, okay. you know, metaphors or visuals? Almost all of them go back to the trauma. Um, so we do the integration work so we can, you know, kind of, you know, in layman terms, just force it in, you know, push it in that this was a trauma that you had no control over, you know, feel love and compassion for yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, let's get, let's get you away from that. Let's get you to the life that you want to be. So integration is is a super important aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so and so you do the the three sessions and the integration work. And for the most part, those that are going to do well on MDMA, most of them are they're no longer testing for PTSD. Now there's some some patients that they may need a fourth or a fifth just to to get there. Okay. Um, and there is a small percentage that this MDMA just does not work for them. Sure. Sure. It, yeah. It, it definitely wouldn't be a one size fits all just like anything. Exactly. But, uh, you know, to me, I think it's, it's, it's worth it, uh, trying it, you know, oh, being yeah. open to anything and everything to oh help you heal and yes. resolve. You know, at the worst thing, the worst, you're, you'll feel a little more loving, you know, at the worst thing. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. 
Um, okay, so um, let's talk about MDMA just a little bit more. We already said it's a <laughs> it's a synthesized chemical compound. Mm -hmm. um, there's something that happens with um, with the brain and the body and a shift and everything. But um, obviously, there's been a lot of stigma, controversy, hesitancy in politics and other sectors for its use, including it becoming a Schedule One drug because people would use it what is known as ecstasy or molly kind of like they assume it's kind of like abusing it right. um, but to experience a euphoric high which isn't necessarily a bad thing if done responsibly but mdma being provided in a clinically supervised setting is not like that correct like can you explain what's happening when one has an mdma treatment sure um it's absolutely completely different than it is recreational. Mm -hmm. I don't think I've seen a patient that has not done it recreationally. I think I was the only person that probably didn't do it recreationally. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, when it's done in a therapeutic setting, you're coming to, it's set and setting. You're, you're coming to a set and a place that is very conducive to safety, to relaxation, to spirituality. It's, there's no blaring, pumping music. There's no alcohol. It is you and me. Mm -hmm. um, I tell my my patients to come very comfortably. Don't wear makeup. Wear baggy clothes. You know, be your most authentic you because it's just me and you. Nobody else is here. Yeah. Um, so as as the session goes on the therapeutic side, they'll come in the morning. We'll talk a, a little while. I'll make sure that they're comfortable, that there any anxieties or nerves. We can talk about that. We review again, what is their intention? What are they hoping to achieve today? Mm -hmm. um, and, and we kind of hash through that. I'll uh, offer them the medicine. They take the medicine. And, and how much medicine is it? Like how like, so what's um, the dosage that you It's uh, 80, it goes from the very first session is 80 milligrams. Okay. Um, and then there's a booster given, which is about half of that. And the booster doesn't make uh, the euphoric feeling any more intense. It, it actually just extends the period of time okay. that you're influenced by the medicine, allowing us to get more work done. Oh, okay. So, so those eight hours, often my patients are like, wait, where, where did eight hours go? It was like, you know, 10 o'clock, two hours ago. I'm like, no, honey, it's, it's seven o'clock. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So, the, so you're with the them time, the whole day. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It is a whole, it is on from the minute they come, you know, by the time they get ready to go home, the euphoric feeling has worn off, but it's still, you know, their eyes are still dilated. They're still feeling and understanding and absorbing what that day has happened. And then they have a, a person that comes and picks them up. I don't let anybody drive home or take oh. Uber or any, any crazy crap like that. Okay. So, so yeah, usually the significant other will pick them up. Um, but during the session, it kind of goes between us talking, doing therapy work. Um, and then there'll be a time where they'll lay down, they'll put eye shades on if they're comfortable with eye shades. Some prefer in the beginning not to, because that is a very a vulnerable place that you're taking your sense of sight away from you. Right. And, and you're already feeling like you are um, not in full control because. Right. The right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why the set and setting is so important. And it's so important that I put that time in with my patients before they ever come out here. So they know that they're safe with me. They know that I was them. I know what they're going through. I know there's pretty much no abuse that you can say that you've gone through that I haven't. There's no trauma that, you know, I'm there with you. Okay. So they have that connection to me. And I think it helps for them to relax that and does. allow the medicine to work. Mm -hmm. um, so we'll alternate between talking and then they lay down with their eye shades. There's music that's specially made for MDMA. And they'll, I'll put the headphones on them. And they'll lay down and I'll let them know. And in about 45 minutes, I'm going to check in on you unless something happens and you want to pop up and we can talk about it then. Mm -hmm. And so usually what happens during that time when they're down, it's that default mode network is, is quieted. So the fear, the anxiety, all those defense mechanisms that we have used to keep ourselves protected, mm -hmm. it's quieted. 
so they can go back to the trauma and they can seize the trauma and they can recognize the trauma was then it's not now and they can start making the connection okay my behavior is like this or my reaction to this trigger is like this because of this or i'm in a relationship with this kind of man because of this and they they start putting those dots together sometimes i need to assist them in putting those dots together but it's like when those dots together it's like the light bulb goes off mm-hmm. and it's just like ah oh, okay and literally i've i've really i have not seen anyone that session 1 it's either something is shifted or i feel lighter that is that is the two keywords at the end of the day something is shifted or i feel lighter and i would definitely want to feel a shift and feel lighter so yeah. if you were to gain anything from it yes yeah. It, yeah so when they say those words to me i'm just like thank you <laughs> thank, thank you buddha thank you universe thank you because i know this person is on their way out she, you know mm-hmm. that door has opened they're on their way out it's, yeah and and like you said before, it was like this this imprisonment and this this disconnect. When it, like you were yes. saying with the treatment, they start being able to connect things. It's mm-hmm. because that their nervous system is is finally not feeling hijacked. Um, yeah. And so um, I, I'm I'm well aware of like the sympathetic nervous system mm-hmm. really kind of being activated in in trauma triggers and things like that. Um, and so. I, I know that like doing something like an MDMA session would be calming the sympathetic nervous system, yeah. but can you describe a little bit more of the physiological and biological changes in the brain and the body with this MDMA? So I'll go through the, to the, I call it the nerd science um, yeah. and I love, and I love nerds. Um, <laughs> so MDMA is on, it's, it's changing neurotransmitters in the brain. Um, this would include increasing the level of the serotonin, the dopamine, um, into a lesser degree, and in a lesser degree of oxy, um, oxytocin. The shift uh, that we often refer to, the shift, the balance of the neurotransmitters results in the reduction of fear, of um, the, the heightened, you know, sense of response. Mm-hmm. Um, the, you know, basically all those defense mechanisms that we, that just hijack our body and that we just yeah. do when we're triggered. Right. Um, so when those are calmed, what, what, what we believe is happening since those are kind of related in that, that ball of PTSD, when it's reducing that reactivity to the pathways that it also allows for the patient to process the traumas. Mm-hmm. Um, from the past and use then using mm-hmm. me as the therapeutic side. Mm-hmm. So if that makes kind of sense, I'm sorry. It's, I try to always put it in layman terms, but I always try to throw the nerd science in there as well. Yeah, no, I think it's helpful for people to be aware of, of what's happening scientifically. Um, I think people need to be a little bit more um, informed of what is physiologically and biologically happening, happening in the body, that it's not just um, uh, something that's just happening with no explanation. Right. And so, um, and I know with, with, with PTSD, um, or I should say just in general, like how our memories are stored and, and we have the memories and the emotions in the, in our limbic system and the amygdala and the amygdala is, is kind of like the fear center. It's known as right. the fear center. And I, I remember coming across and I would like to like look into it more. So I'm not promising anything here, but it was really interesting to, to, to hear that there's like two parts to the amygdala. Um, one part tends to um, take care of positive and negative emotions, whereas the other part takes care of all negative emotions. And so it's like, wow, the amygdala takes care of a lot of negative emotions. Um, And so no wonder we're so like drawn to like have these negative emotions and negative uh, uh, thoughts all the time, it seems like. Um, But what can happen is like you said, those neurotransmitters and basically what's happening is that we've created kind of like this, this neural pathway, so to Mm -hmm. speak, of reacting a certain way based on our experiences, based on our memories, based Mm -hmm. on um, those triggers. And what MDMA does, just like many things, just like many other types of therapies and techniques, is that there is a process called neural rewiring. 
And so what it's sounding like is that MDMA is, is a way to re refire these neurons to respond a different way and have these receptors, um, basically help with proper hormonal release (laughs) instead of it being all chaotic, right? Correct. Correct. And it's, it's, basically you're, it's rewiring. It's helping you rewire because you, you're the one that's doing it. Like, you know, how you said, I'm the one that reached out. Like I can say that to everybody, but sometimes it's hard for me to do it for myself. Um, but you are assisting the brain to rewire itself, to learn a new response, to, to learn a new thought pattern. Um, as I told you uh, this morning, I was talking to a patient and she's just feeling like, I'm just, I'm so hijacked. I don't know what to do. And, you know, she's a very strong, independent woman. And she's just like, I can't control this. I can't move it. I can't change it. And I was just telling her, I was like, okay, well, it's like me telling you, I want you to unlearn how to walk. Yeah. Stop walking right this minute. Yep. You can't. Right. But what the medicine doesn't, it goes in there and rewires all that from what you learned during those traumas and those responses and reactions and thoughts and behaviors that were created from that trauma, it requires that to a new healthy way of responding, reacting, feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Um, with those things that we experience that we don't have any control over those, those traumas that we experience, it's kind of like an, I don't want to say immediate, but it is an uncontrolled or unaware switch, right. Or neural wiring, a neural, uh, process. Right. And so Mm -hmm. things just kind of function in that state, unless Mm -hmm. we choose to rewire it and that rewiring is where it takes effort and it takes Mm -hmm. accountability and responsibility. It's like riding a bike or learning a new instrument or learning a language. You have to put in the work, you have to put in the practice in order to create that rewiring. However, MDMA kind of fast tracks that it yeah. sounds like you're still doing talk therapy. There's still yeah. effort yeah. involved. There's commitment, time commitment, whatnot, mm-hmm. um, uh, being open and receptive to the experience. So there is still effort involved, but MDMA fast tracks that in a sense. Absolutely. I've, I've worked with patients for years and what I've done for years, I can accomplish. I, my patient and I can accomplish in eight hours, Gosh. eight hours. <laughs> Instead it's, of years and years of just therapy on its own. Right. It, it's, it's mind blowing. It's just, it just, it blows my mind. Uh, you know, I see this patient when he or she comes in and when she or he or she leaves at the end of the day, it's, there's a different person leaving at the end of the day. It's, it's, I mean, I, I have goosebumps. I literally, I'm so incredibly blessed that I'm on this journey with these individuals. It's the most amazing thing you can, can, can see. Now, this is probably a given, but do you ever think that you wished you knew about, or were able to provide MDMA sooner, not just for yourself, but for past clients and abuse victims that you've worked with? Oh my God. Yes. Yes. (laughs) And yes. 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 (laughs) It's, you know, the M in, in MDMA needs to stand for miracle. Yeah, it really is a miracle. Yeah, and people but don't it's have scientifically to proven miracle. <laughs> it's it's I mean high yeah. statistics. I was just reading. I was just reading some of the latest statistics that came out, and I believe it's eighty eight percent of the maps participants came out um, test not testing for PTSD. That's incredible. Yeah. It's, so l- let's talk about maps a little bit more. So, sure. so people have an understanding about what this is. Mm-hmm. So that's M A P S maps. Uh-huh. Uh, I believe people can go to maps.org, but mm-hmm. can you explain what it is? They are the multi multidisciplinary association for psychedelic studies. Huh. Okay. <laughs> that's what it stands for. Okay. That's what it stands for. So they are a nonprofit um, that has done years and years of research and they're fighting legislation. They were, they fought legislation when it first got banned to try to, to keep it going and showed amount of just a ton of proof that this is a drug that works. 
mm-hmm. for those that have PTSD, for couples. I mean, there's there's military and non-military out here killing themselves because they don't have access to yes. it. Yeah, yeah I, I don't want to get on my soapbox, um, but MAPS is the leader in MDMA uh, research. They're the ones on the forefront trying to get it legalized again. Um, at this point, I believe it is in the FDA's hands. And with those kind of statistics, I can't see how the FDA is not going to approve it. Right. Right. Um, so um, we're, we're hoping it will be approved for therapeutic use. Well, I know you are, but I am also crossing my fingers and toes for that to happen. So, But in the meantime, um, people can go to maps.org, like you said, but how would one go about finding uh, someone who provides MDMA treatment? And uh, for those of, who have that professional status, how would one get certified to provide MDMA treatment like you do? There are avenues for those looking for what we call our PACs, uh, psychedelic assisted therapists. Um, maps.org will have a list of certified therapists. Um, those are therapists that have taken their certification um, and learned all about psychedelics, MDMA, ketamine, et cetera. Um, and then there's, you know, just how my, my customers, my clients reach me is word of mouth. Um, but there, the closer we get to um, FDA approval, the more therapists you are seeing becoming available, um, mm. you know, such as myself, I have no problem telling anybody and everybody, this is the work I do. I made an oath as a social worker to help and to heal. And that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. And so other people can do this. You, you said that like therapists, nurses, doctors can get certified to, to offer MDMA treatment, right? Yes. So MAPS is, let's say when it comes to colleges. So MAPS is like the Harvard of colleges. So they are the top notch and they offer a certification program for those that are already therapists, psychiatrists, um, MDs, nurses, to take the program and get certified to then um, do, you know, MAPS protocol of of this type of treatment. And then MAPS will put them, put those that have been certified on their website, if they so choose to be put on the website. Okay, that's fantastic. Okay, so Mary, what is one takeaway message that you want our listeners to remember or know? There's help. Don't give up. There is help. Fight for yourself. Look, Google, research, ask. Don't give up on yourself. There's a beautiful life out here that you can have. Yeah, absolutely. And one of those resources, again, is maps.org. Um, if you want to look into MDMA treatment, uh, look at the process and the progress of uh, the legalization and the advocacy. And if you want to get involved or if you need to try to find treatment, you know, it's it's out there for you. It's out there for you. Absolutely. Okay. And with that being said, just letting you know that there will be resources in my link tree for you regarding MDMA and um, MDMA therapy. And so feel free to check that out. Okay, Mary, we've got some quick fire questions for you. So this is all about your personal journey, not you as a therapist. Okay. Okay. So taking that element out of the picture, I'm going to ask you a series of questions called fixed fucked read. Okay. So (laughs) I'll elaborate on each question as I ask you. Okay. So question number one is what is one thing that temporarily fixed you? Meaning it was like a Band-Aid. It helped for a minute. It helped for the short term, but in the long term, it hurt you. It um, caused adverse reactions. It just wasn't suitable for the long term. Denial. Denial. Okay. Denial. <laughs> so denial helped for a little bit. It would it would help for a little bit, but it, it eventually caught up with me. Okay. Yeah. Um, what is something that just completely fucked you? Like what's something that completely fucked you over? You thought maybe it would be beneficial, but it just did not work at all. I, God, I hate to say this. 
I say this with by saying there are many people that can find relief in therapy. Mm-hmm. I am a therapist. I've worked in traditional therapy. It did not work for me. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And it doesn't work for everybody. Right. For sure. Okay. So we probably know the answer to this one. <laughs> what is one thing that freed you that worked, that was effective, that changed your life? Hundred thousand million percent MDMA. MDMA wow. maps my my therapists that helped me go through this process. Hundred percent. I owe like I owe them everything. I'm literally tattooing an MDMA tattoo. That's so awesome. <laughs> That's so yeah. cool. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Mary, for coming on to my podcast. And oh, I definitely okay. invite you back anytime we ever want to have another conversation. Thank you. Okay. I so appreciate it. I, I'm so happy that you're getting the word out there. And so hopefully even if just one person hears this podcast and, and says, oh shit, maybe, maybe there's a chance, you know, that I was that girl, maybe yeah, there's yeah. a chance. So Absolutely. you're doing, you're doing amazing work. So thank you for having me on. Oh, I really appreciate you. it. I'm, I'm glad we found each other. Likewise. Okay. Take care. You do. So the one thing I ask guests and the listeners to be mindful about it is any scientific claims and the validity of holistic practices since my podcast is about bridging the gap between the two. Therefore, needing scientific data and sources to back up any claims made. And you can refer to all of this in the scientific references in my link tree at Healing with Sway, all one word, uh, which you can also find in the text of my podcast and each episode. And lastly, if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to my podcast so that you will get notifications of new episodes. Have a topic request or a question? Send me an email. Healing with Sway, that's all one word, Healing with Sway, S-W-A-Y, at Outlook.com. I'd love to hear from you. Be well.